Thank you for that prayer. And we're just going to get right in. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, such a privilege to share with you. We want to welcome those who are watching on Facebook Live and those who are out in the parking lot listening uh, on the FM transmitter. We're just grateful to have everyone here uh, in our assembly this morning. Grateful for the opportunity. I'll tell you, I, uh, I always get butterflies when I get up here in this pulpit. A sense of uh, the awesomeness of the responsibility. I don't ever want to get comfortable. I'm reminded of a lyric from a song. Maybe you've heard that song, I Hope You Dance. And one of the lyrics is, uh, I hope you always feel small when you stand beside the ocean. I don't want to ever get so comfortable with holy things that I just come in here and say, well, you know, I, I've, I've been doing this for a long time and I can give you three points in the poem and go home, but this, these are eternal things. These are weighty matters. These are uh, vast associations and uh, I don't take it lightly and I appreciate your prayers for me and I, I feel a sense of the awesomeness of his presence this morning. We're in 1 Corinthians 15 and I want to begin reading. In verse 35, would you stand for the reading of the word this morning? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, the Apostle Paul says these words, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, for there is one kind of flesh of men, another of beasts, and another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. And the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, so are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated in God's presence. Amen. Let's go to the first slide if we can, gentlemen. As you're looking uh, through your through your text there, you're going to see some key words, uh, body, flesh, glory, natural, and spiritual. And, uh, and as you're looking at these terms, you want to be become familiar with them because they're the prominent theme of this resurrection chapter in this particular passage. Now, if you've been following along with us, and if, if you haven't, I encourage you to go back and watch the previous two Sundays. They're still on Facebook. Uh, if you want to review, the first message in this installment 
was about the historical truth of the resurrection. Jesus Christ lived. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And the Bible says that he was seen of the apostles. It says that he was seen of above 500 people. He said many of them were still alive when Paul wrote this. Uh, it was rigid uh, eyewitness testimony that could be verified. He appeared to James, who was a skeptic when Jesus was on the earth. His own brother didn't believe in him. After the resurrection, he did believe in him. Then he appeared to Peter. He appeared to all the apostles. And Paul said, last of all, he appeared to me as one out of, born out of due time, an untimely birth. And here this man that had been killing Christians saw Jesus Christ after the resurrection and after the ascension. He saw him in a resurrected body, and all he could do was fall to his knees and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And he switched teams. <laughs> he went from being a persecutor of the church to being the greatest apostle of the New Testament church. Then last week we looked at some of the implications of, of, of no resurrection, and, and Brother Lynn talked about that. If there's no resurrection, we're all wasting our time. Uh, we ought to be doing something else. We're foolish. Paul was, uh, was foolish for putting his life in jeopardy. You remember he said, I die every day. I face death every day. My life is in jeopardy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm always in precarious positions. And if, if the resurrection is not true, then I am an absolute fool for doing this. However, he says Christ has been risen from the dead. And he gave the concept of first fruits. He said, he is the first fruits of them which rose from the dead. That means he is the first one of others to follow. Hallelujah. He came out of the grave on that first Easter morning, resurrection morning. That was the beginning. Remember that Greek word tagma? Every man will be made alive in his own order. Christ, the first fruits. The resurrection has already been, uh, uh, has already been initiated with Jesus Christ. Phase one. You ever done a bit, anybody ever been a part of a building project? You had phase one and phase two. and Let me tell you what, phase one of resurrection has already been set in motion. Phase one. And just as surely as phase one began, phase two will be sure to follow. As surely as Jesus Christ rose from the dead, just as surely as I'm standing here today, one day the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and they will live. And one day those of us who are alive and remain, I believe it sooner than we think, we're going to be caught up together to be with the Lord in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm about to get worked up, and we ain't even started. There's some key terms here. Now we're going to deal with this, this whole issue of resurrection. And, uh, and, and understand this, that we're not that far removed from similar curiosity. You know, the Greeks, with, were, the Greeks had a very low view of the body anyway. They believed that the body was the prison for the soul. And so they look forward to shedding, as it were, and, and becoming what they were uh, in, uh, always intended to be. But see, resurrection is what God's intention is for you and I. And so looking around, thinking only with natural mind, the Corinthians thought they were spiritual. If you've ever read the book of 1 Corinthians, you know that they were a bunch of egotistical maniacs. Not all of them, but many of them were. And they thought they were spiritual. And Paul would cut them down to size. He says, you're not spiritual, you're carnal. You're babies. And so uh, you have to understand the bigger picture of 1 Corinthians to really make sense of all this. When he talks about being spiritual and being natural. See, they had all the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Gift of tongues, prophecy, discerning of spirits, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all that stuff. And they viewed that as a badge of, uh, of maturity. But, but Paul says, no, being really mature 
is loving the Lord Jesus Christ and, and holding fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ and not being blown about with every wind of doctrine. And so they had been influenced by this Greek philosophy, but Paul was going to give them a, a primer in resurrection theology. And I've got the pronunciation up there for those of you who are interested in that kind of thing, the phonetic uh, of the Greek. I'm not going to go through and, and, and review all that with you. But he says, uh, the first thing he says, he, he answers a question. Let's go on to the next slide. Uh, he says, what body, you know, how is this resurrection going to come about? Now, this is kind of surreal for me because I like to prayer walk uh, around the cemetery out here. And some might think that's kind of morbid, but I don't, I, you know, but I'm weird. <laughs> and, uh, and I think about it. I think about resurrection as I'm walking amongst those graves. And I think about one day, one day these folks out here, they're going to hear the voice of the Son of God, and they're going to, they're going to rise. <laughs> There's, it's dormant right now. There's going to be some activity in the not-too-distant future. But if you were to exhume some of those bodies, some of those coffins or caskets, what would you expect to find in the casket? Ashes, right? And uh, decomposition. You wouldn't expect to see a body. And so the Greeks have similar concerns that, that we do. We think, well, how is it that God's going to take these ashes... And make this into something Paul says is glorious. Well, he says, you're really acting like a fool. And here's the biblical. Now, some other translations kind of soft pedal it. King James don't soft pedal it. Paul actually says in the Greek, you fool. <laughs> now, I understand why some translations opted to do that. But, but I think the King James is, is more true to form here. But what does it mean in biblical nomenclature to be a fool? It means to leave God out of the equation. And that's why I quoted from Psalms up here. Psalm 14, verse 1. Psalm 53, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Whenever you don't factor God into the equation, you're thinking like a fool. I want you to think about whatever you're facing. Now, our topic is resurrection this morning. And so that's, that's the narrow focus. But I want to broaden this out because the concept of resurrection doesn't just deal with us coming out of the grave one day. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Right now, I am the resurrection. So I want you to think about whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. Anybody facing any challenges? Amen. Every one of us in here, except for little Sunny Beth. Sweet girl. I don't feel like we've had church unless she just comes out here and waves to us. And she's precious. Right? Whatever challenges you're facing... Why don't you factor God into your problem? We always magnify the problem. Why don't we magnify God? When David was facing Goliath, he said, Look, you come to me with a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabah. And whatever your problems are, they're not too big for God. God, the one who spoke the heavens and the earth into existence with a word. Uh, I'm going to... I've got Matthew 22 up here. You don't have to turn there. Let me just go through this. Matthew 22, verses 23 through 32. This is the last week of Jesus' life, and they're interrogating Jesus Christ, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees come to him. Now, the Sadducees 
there was something they didn't believe in. Do you remember what it was? Resurrection. Very good. They didn't believe in angels either, but the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. And so they come to Jesus with this ridiculous riddle, and they said they talk about the law of the leveret, where if a man dies and he hasn't, doesn't have any uh, heirs that the brother is supposed to take the wife, aren't you glad we don't live under that anyway? But, uh, and I always think about the woman, how awful that would be to be married to seven brothers. <laughs> what awful. But, but anyway, they're just trying to uh, catch Jesus, trip, trip him up in his words. But Jesus looks at the Sadducees, who didn't believe in the resurrection. He says, you do greatly err. You don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. For when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush... He said, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Hallelujah. Consider this for a moment. Abraham is still Abraham in heaven. Isaac is still Isaac in heaven. Jacob is still Jacob in heaven. He has not lost his identity even though he's been disembodied. Okay? That's going to be important. Now, Jesus said in John 12, 24, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Now, in this, that particular context, he's talking about fruit bearing. But the same principle applies to resurrection and literally to everything uh, else in the spiritual walk. Jesus said, if a man finds his life, he loses it. But if he loses his life for my sake and the gospel, he'll find it. That's a biblical concept. Let's go on to the next slide. Now, I don't want us to lose our sense of wonder about uh, nature and agriculture. How many farmers do we have in here this morning? I'm not going to make you speak. All right, I see Brother Mark up here. I know he's a farmer. No, he is. He's worked in my fields before, so I know for a fact he's a farmer. Farmer's a hard job. I was going to play that, uh, that Paul Harvey. You ever heard God made a farmer? You ever heard that? That's beautiful. You ought to go home and listen to it. Google it sometime. I was going to play it, but God made a farmer. But I think sometimes we've lost our sense of wonder because we get our food from restaurants and from the grocery store. I, I think so. And I think we've lost our sense of what it re the, the, really the miracle of harvest. That without a farmer, you and I are not eating anything. We're not. <laughs> Rocks. Now, I quoted this from the New Living Translation here, Mark 4, 26. Jesus said this, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground, night and day while he's asleep or awake. The seed sprouts and grows, but he doesn't understand how it happens. Now, I know some of you are agricultural engineers. I know some of you understand all the process of seed germination and all that stuff. But for the average guy, we put a seed in the ground, and we don't have a clue. God just does his thing, right? We put it in the ground, we pray for rain, we pray for God to bless it, and God produces a harvest. Now, when you plant, uh, let's say you plant wheat, does wheat start with a seed? Help me, farmers, I don't know. Yes? Okay, thank you, Mark. <laughs> Maybe I should just call you up here to help guide me through this next part here. <laughs> I'm above my pay grade here. <laughs> okay, so... So when you plant that weed in the ground, come up here, Brother Mark, would you? No? Okay. All right. 
So when you plant that wheat in the ground, is that what it's going to eventually look like when it's harvest time? No. You can't see it, and he's, not, he's ignoring me now. <laughs> How about any other kind? What about a tulip? Anybody ever planted a bulb? Do they look gorgeous when you put them in the ground? They ain't much to look at, are they? But afterward, they're beautiful, right? Now, that tulip, when it's a bulb, it's still a tulip. But that bulb is nothing like what it's going to be because God's not finished with it. See, God has put uh, witnesses all around us. The miracle of resurrection is just staring us in the face. Psalm 19 says this, and I've got it up on the board here. The heavens declare the glory of God. That's why in Romans 1, the scripture says that man is without excuse. Nobody can say that there's not a God. They can't honestly say that. You can look around you and see all of the marvel of creation, and you can know that there's a God in heaven. Look at all the flowers outside. Look at the trees. All of these things speak to resurrection. God has given us a glimpse of resurrection. You plant the seed, and it is, there's continuity there. You know, if I plant an apple tree, it's not going to come up as an orange tree. There's continuity, but there's difference, just like that bulb, the tulip. You plant it in dishonor, but then it's raised in splendor. And that's how it goes. And God has shown it also in the animal kingdom. He says, um, God has given everything a body. I, I love how it, uh, God personifies these things in the Word. That flowers and seeds, that they have bodies. I love the language of Scripture. Next time you look around, this afternoon, this is a beautiful day. This is a gorgeous day. This afternoon, as you're riding home, maybe going outside in your yard, look around and marvel at God's handiwork. I mean, you've heard people say you need to take time to smell the roses, stop and smell the roses. Do that. God is speaking all through nature. That resurrection is a fact. Resurrection is a reality. Look at the animal kingdom. He says not all flesh is the same. God has given fish different bodies. He's given birds different bodies. Dogs, cats, human beings. That's why in order for you and I to fly, we have to be in a pressurized cabin. That's why if we try to go into the ocean, we got to have some kind of pressurized you know, unit to help us because our bodies were uniquely designed to live on this planet. You and I, science and faith are not opposed to one another. They're not. And I'd love to get some people who are a lot smarter than I am to, to do some apologetics for you to be able to reason with the skeptic. But God has given us a body to live on this planet. The, 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 the composition of your body, the the, the composition of oxygen and carbon dioxide and all that, the, the ratios are just perfect for you and I to dwell here. But also we can look up in the sky. He says there's celestial bodies and, and terrestrial. How many of you remember the, the, the movie E.T.? What did that movie stand for? Extraterrestrial. Phone home, E.T., phone home. He sure was an ugly thing, wasn't he? Wouldn't much look at. 
extraterrestrial, not of this world. We can look out in the heavens. I'm glad that I live in the country. Now, I've lived in the city, too, and it has its advantages. But I tell you, I've just got spoiled of living in the country. I can walk outside in my front yard on a clear night, and I can see a million stars. And I can see the moon. How many of you saw that pink moon Monday? My grandson was born on that full moon. You know I was going to work him into the sermon somehow. That's what. And I look around, and I see the glory of God, the planets and the stars. And even the stars, you ever look at the stars, Just you look at one star and it's gleaming, but then you study it for a while, and then you start seeing the colors in the stars, start seeing different colors. The stars, they vary in color, in brightness, and in glory. You know the prophet Daniel? I'm going to read something to you from Daniel. Daniel 12, verse 3. No, verse 2. It says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. That's why you and I need to be sharing our faith with a lost and dying world. Because if we share our faith of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world, one day when the resurrection takes place, you and I will shine forth as the stars. Stars are glorious. Let's go on to the next slide. He says, the resurrection of the dead is sown in corruption, it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. That's that word doxa. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. That's the Greek word dunamis. You're probably familiar with that. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. <clears throat> we are going to have bodies. We're not going to be ghosts. I hope, no, I hope if you don't get anything else out of these past three or four weeks, uh, understand this. We are going to have physical, tangible bodies here on planet Earth. He said there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And he said, he said so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. And I've got Genesis 2 here. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Adam received life. He didn't give life. He received life. And if you were paying attention Wednesday night uh, or watching the video, I talked about the eight covenants of the Bible, the Edenic covenant and the Adamic covenant. We are still living with the effects of the violation of the, uh, the Adamic covenant, the Edenic covenant rather. The Adamic covenant said this. God told Adam, he says, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, until you return into the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. Man is intrinsically linked with the earth. The earth. Man was created to rule the earth. Adam lost his dominion. When Jesus Christ returns, dominion will be restored to mankind through the life-giving spirit, Adam. We all come into this world as sons and daughters of Adam. It's just, that's who we are. It's part of our DNA. My, my grandson was born 
on Monday, but he came into this world with an expiration date. He's, he's already aging. He's already, you know, some of the sand has already gone through the hourglass. Each one of us, we are running a race, and we are mortal beings. The first Adam received life from God. God breathed into mankind. Human beings are different than animals. I like my animals. I like my dogs. I like cats. I like all kinds of animals. But man was created in the image of God. Y'all are sleeping on me this morning. When I look at you, that's why the devil hates you so bad. It's because when he sees you, he sees someone that's been made in the image of God. And he hates that. You and I have been made in God's image. And God took Adam. You see, all the other things God spoke into existence. Let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. But when it came to man, it says he formed him out of the dust of the earth. And he breathed into him. And man became a living soul. You ever hear where Jesus appeared to the disciples? After he rose from the dead, the doors were closed. And, he, and the Bible says that Jesus breathed on them. Have you ever read that? Read it in John's Gospel. It says that Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Ghost. The first Adam received life. But the last Adam, let's go to the next slide. The last Adam, the King James says, is a quickening spirit. He's a life-giving spirit. John 331 he that comes from above is above all for he that is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth but he that cometh from heaven is above all in John chapter 6 this is where Jesus feeds the multitude with the loaves and the fishes and I want you to, in your own time your own study to look in John 6 how many times Jesus tells the crowd I am the true bread I came down from heaven Moses gave you excuse me the manna came down in the days of Moses but I am the true bread that comes down from heaven. John 5, 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life. I think the King James says, quickeneth whom he will. That, that's an old English word, quicken. It means to give life. He's pleased to give it. Now, why is Jesus able to give life? Because he's not an ordinary man. He's not the first Adam. Notice the scripture doesn't say he's the second Adam or he's the next Adam, but it says he is the last Adam. Jesus Christ is the last head of the human race. Nobody's ever going to replace him. Nobody's ever going to supplant him. One day, every knee will bow. One day, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. Let's go on to the next slide. Now, he says the first thing that happens is in the natural, Paul says, and then after that, the spiritual. We've all shared in Adam's experience. All of us have shared in Adam's experience. But we are already, to some degree, experiencing the new kingdom experience. Have you read, ever read in the book of Hebrews, you get over in the sixth chapter, 
and there's some pretty stern warnings in there. But it talks about those who have tasted of the powers of the age to come, the powers of the world to come. I know we don't believe it in here because we're sitting in here like a bunch of wooden Indians today. <laughs> Hello out there in Facebook world. Yes, we have fun here at Deep Springs. We preach the word of God too. Listen, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you if you're a believer. The same Holy Spirit that did miracles by the hand of Peter by the hand of Paul, by the hand of John, so on and so forth. The same Holy Spirit lives in you. See, Paul prayed for the believers. Paul was a proactive prayer. We're reactive prayers. We, we start praying after bad stuff starts happening, right? That's how the prayer request goes. I say, is there any concerns for prayer? And nobody ever says, you know what, we just need to pray for all this stuff in the future. We always pray about stuff that's already happened, right? Sister so-and-so's in the hospital. Brother so-and-so, you know, sprained his ankle or whatever. But Paul was a proactive prayer. Paul said to the Ephesian believers, he said, I thank God for you. God chose you in him before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and without blame before him in love and, and all this good stuff. He's talking about all the wonderful things. And he says, I pray for you, Christians, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. The eyes of your heart would be opened, literally in the Greek. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but in that world that is to come. Listen, Paul says I want you to get it. I want you to understand that that same power that raised the Son of God from the tomb on the third day is, is active in you, Christian. It is active in you. So stop telling me what you can't do and start looking me in the eye and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. You see, Paul says in Romans 8, 29, says that, that the will of God is for those who are born again, those who love God, those who he's chosen, who are foreknown. He has predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Every day, we ought to look more like Jesus. That's the truth. And if you're like me, sometimes you look in the mirror and you think, not so great there, Henry. Not great. But every day, we should be looking more and more like Jesus. We should be talking more like Jesus. We should be thinking more like Jesus. Now, Philippians 3.20, Paul says, and I'm quoting from the New King James, and I'll tell you why. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven. The King James opts for the word conversation. Citizenship captures the essence of it better, I believe. From which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform, now the King James says, our vile body. You know words change meaning over time? Our bodies are not vile in the way we use the word vile now. That's what Corinthians is all about, right? Paul's been saying the body's not a bad thing. God's going to resurrect the body. I like the way the New King James says our lowly body. 
Why is it lowly? Because it's inferior to that which is to come. Let's go back to that other slide. Thank you. <clears throat> and it's going to be transformed and conformed like Jesus' body. His glorious body. According to the working whereby he's able to subdue, subdue all things to himself. And then finally, John says this. He says, Beloved, now are we the children of God. If you've got a King James, it'll say, Now are we the sons of God. The Greek word is technon. Nine times out of ten, the word is translated as children. We're the children of God. That includes guys and girls, females. And it does not yet been revealed what we shall be. That's why all of my best efforts here at, at, some, at some point is conjecture because I don't have a glorified mind and a body yet. But one day, the Bible says, we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's the shouting ground right there. Now that doesn't mean you're going to be God or Jesus Jr. He's going to be the exalted one. You like that, didn't you, H.T.? That's, that's. See, me and him, we got all kinds of sayings. We go way back. H.T. taught me how to clog and square dance when I was in the fifth grade. Fourth grade. Had a good time. You should have seen that guy on the dance floor. Cut a rug. One day, one day, our bodies are going to be like Jesus. Jesus could walk through walls. Presumably travel through time. Not limited by the laws of gravity. He could eat. He ate fish. He ate a honeycomb. He could be touched. Remember Thomas? Don't ever call him Doubting Thomas. That's a terrible. Man has come up with that. Thomas was willing to die with Jesus. Thomas went on to be a martyr. Thomas was a missionary. Don't, don't speak evil of Thomas. Thomas was a reasonable person. Call him Reasonable Thomas. Thomas said, unless I see the nail prints, I won't believe. And Jesus appeared to him. He said, Thomas, I know you need a little more proof. So why don't you just lay your doubts aside and put your hand in the print, in the, in the wound in my side. And when Thomas put his hand in the wound, one Jewish man said to another Jewish man, my Lord and my God. Yet another witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thomas, would you stand? Now next week is Mother's Day, but I'm not preaching a traditional Mother's Day sermon. We're going to finish up 1 Corinthians. I feel led of the Lord. So far, we've been talking about folks that are going to die and be put in the grave. Paul said, I show you a mystery. Not all of us are going to die. Some of us will be alive when Jesus Christ splits the eastern sky with the sound of the trumpet. And he says, 
our flesh and blood bodies, we're suited to live in this earth under these circumstances. But you and I are not suited to live in a glorified earth with a glorified Christ yet. And so Paul says not to worry. You don't have to die to be resurrected because there's a group of people that are going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And this mortal is going to put on immortality. This back pain is going to be gone forever. Amen. These knee pains are going to be gone forever. No more hip replacements. No more cataract surgeries. No more digestive problems. No more chronic illnesses. No more disease. And ultimately, no more death. We're going to have a funeral for death. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're already condemned. You're on your way to a devil's hell and eventually a lake of fire. But God has paid the price for you to be saved. Jesus came to this earth. He lived in a real body. He was a real human being just like you and me. But he was fully God. He was tempted in every way just like we are, yet without sin. And when he died on that cross, he offered up a perfect sacrifice. Stop waiting to get perfect. Somebody needs to hear this. Stop saying, I'm going to get all this stuff together in my life, and then I'll come to church. I'll get this together, and then I'll give my heart to Christ. You can't do it. That's why Jesus came. He came to die for you. There's only been one perfect man in this world, and there will only be one perfect man. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says, if you believe that God raised that man from the dead, that one who died for your sins, that you can be saved. You don't have to join the church. You don't have to sign a card. You just say, Lord, I believe. God have mercy on me, a sinner. You can be saved. There may be a believer here today, or maybe one who's watching us on the Internet, and you're facing some insurmountable problems in the natural. I want you to be reminded. Look around you. The flowers, the trees, the harvest in the fields, the sun, the moon, they all speak to the fact of resurrection. So whatever you're facing, put it up next to your God. And I promise you, in comparison, your problems will become quite small when you understand how big your God is. Would you come?
be seated just for a moment. Um, I want to remind you, next Sunday is Mother's Day, so make sure you call your mama, and uh, your mama wants you to be in the house of the Lord on Mother's Day, and it's going to be a special day because we're going to have a baptism. Remington's getting baptized, Gage Carpenter's getting baptized. If you have never been baptized in water, come see me, and we'll get you on the docket too. The only prerequisite is that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and we'll baptize you. It's, by the way, baptism's not a suggestion. It's a command. Now, you know, it's not going to get you to heaven, but it is a command of the Lord Jesus Christ for those who believe are to be baptized. Uh, we've, we've got that coming on. I want to thank everybody that helped out with the WMU uh, meeting this week. It was, a, it was a great success. Emily Crabtree did a fantastic job uh, speaking to us. And uh, uh, Maddie, I want you to come up here. Uh, Maddie's going to be helping us out with our Bible school this year, and, and she's going to recruit volunteers. And you might say no to me, but how could you say no to Maddie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you guys. I just wanted to let everyone know that we're planning on having DBS the week before July 4th. That's just like the end of semester, beginning of July, so we moved that date. Um, but if you're interested in helping in any way, we have lots of openings. So you can come and talk to me after church, or I think we may have some contact information you can reach out. Um, yeah, but we would love to have any and all kids and any and all adults to come help or youth to help. And yeah, just going to let you know about that. <laughs> Thank you. It's going to be good. Um, also, our Love Ants and T-shirts have come in. Lori, I've got yours and mine there. Uh, so if you haven't got your Love Ants T-shirt, they'll be distributing them. They're over here on the, in the side. Um, we're going to try a deacon's meeting this week, Willie. Is that right? Uh Thursday, try to have a deacon's meeting, and uh, pray for us. God would lead us in our uh, in our endeavors. And uh, what else is there? Gonna, uh, any other announcements that need to be made? Thank you, thank you. I'm a proud Papa. Old. And I won't leave Carol out too. Carol taught me how to do the Cotton Eye Joe too. <laughs> Wasn't just HT. They. They both made me the man that I am today, the <laughs> fabulous dancer. <laughs> all right, enough nonsense, Preacher Henry. I love you all. I just, I don't know, to be determined, TBD. <laughs> all right, I think we've covered... Major announcements: WMU meeting this week. Is that right, Miss Dale? Did you want to have any W? Okay, that's Saturday. All right. God bless all of you.